sometimes I feel like for years and years I practiced asana, the understanding that it should bring me to a point of being able to meditate. Um, and then once I was able to meditate, I feel like I do asana, but sort of for a different reason. Once you let go of like trying um, to be a pro um, and just like let it flow, that's when like it actually happens. You know, whenever I'm like trying to have an experience, it never happens. Um, and then when I kind of give up on that and like surrender, that's when I'm like, oh, whoa, it like, it like kind of hits me. You know? This process feels really familiar. Like maybe I kind of do this process every time I sit down to practice. Because it's like if you get kind of like attached to it, then you're forgetting about the goal. So it made me think of that, you know, it's like, don't get attached to it, just go beyond that. I mean, it's like when Faith talks about, has talked about using a mantra, is like, you know, dialing a phone number for that deity. And then it'd be like the deity being there going, hello, hello, and you're going, you know, seven, four, five, seven, four, five. <laughs> wow. And, and then, wait, I, I need to like, know and anticipate and be ready and aware that this is going to happen. You, you may grab the tool or you can go, I don't, I don't need the tool. I know, you know what the effect is going to be and you go right to the effect and then you're, you're in a position to deal with what's coming at you. Then it's like, what tool do you use to go beyond the being present, to like merge beyond that? that I just stop and just visualize opening up to what might be coming through to me. Literally, just be in a state of receptivity. Aloha, namaste, and welcome to this class. Our last class on Sutra 3.7, which states, Moha Jayad, Ananta Bogat, Sahaja Vidya Jaya. After conquering the field of illusion by destroying its many impressions, one attains the victory of the pure knowledge of consciousness. We see that to conquer this field of illusion, to destroy these many impressions, and to attain this victory requires steadfast resolve on your path, on your practice, but that eventually this path leads beyond the mind to a state of experience, as the sutras tell us over and over again. And that's the nature of tonight's discussion. Practitioners talking about and working with this idea of going beyond the mind with their practice, inside their experience, seeing what's possible. So thank you for joining us. Hope you have a great class. Namaste. Um, in each class for the last, uh, I guess, three classes in this format, I've tried to start the class by um, trying to lay the foundation for this concept of, of feeling in philosophy and why we're reaching so much for this feeling, other than the fact that, you know, Babaji uh, told us to. And we've seen how Rudy, in that quote last time, talked about uh, knowing is a feeling thing. 
We've talked about how Baba G described it. We've seen how Jaideva Singh referenced feeling as the critical aspect of understanding. Um, and today I wanted to just glance, just for a moment, at uh, feeling in philosophy in the as according to the tattvas. This is literally just take a moment. Why feel your philosophy? Because it's closer to the source. It's closer to the source. And when we talk about the source, you can imagine that tattvic egg, that principle that we've looked at so many times, and Shiva at the top, and then differentiation pouring down from there. And what we see at the very top of this is Shiva and Shakti as the sort of, you know, the highest forms of, of energy. Um, and then how it sort of rains down, almost like spirals down and expands into differentiation from there. And what we sometimes look at are those first few tattvas, these first few manifestations of the universe. Um, and they look like this. Willing, knowing, or thinking, and acting. And so this could look like in your life, having the urge uh, inside of thirst, the thought arises, I should drink some water. And then the action arises from that to take a sip of water. And so in that case, you can see that the deepest part of us was the urge, was the will. And um, in case you're wondering um, how high up in these tattvas we are, the very last tattva is earth. <laughs> I always find that amusing. So we're really high up here. And this second or third rather tattva of willing is the tattva of feeling. And so when you can connect to philosophy, not just at the level of speech, which would be like the level of action, of speaking, not just at the level of thought, but at the level of feeling, you're really connecting deeply uh, with the source of these teachings. And um, so we'll continue in that pursuit. And one of the ways that we've been investigating that pursuit, setting the stage for it in our philosophy, is with a little bit of movement. Um, and this is something we've explored in our, in our yoga training uh, for a long time, and it's really, really fruitful. And it's called intro surfing, and it's based on the idea of internal feeling, physiologically speaking, is introception. So we're going to move a little bit and feel, and then we're going to take that feeling into our philosophy. Yeah, I can put it on. Okay. Mm. So take a moment and just close your eyes and imagine all of the energy that often pours through the eyes outward, imagine it starting to pour inside. Feel the base of your body contacting your chair or cushion, whatever you're on. Notice a sense of support. Just feel the edges of your body, your skin. And start to notice the rhythm of the breath naturally rising and falling within the space of your skin. And we'll 
start to introduce really soft, subtle movements to guide us more deeply in this exercise of feeling our inner space or interosurfing. <laughs> I'm going to cue up a little bit of music and let me know if it's too loud. Just give me the thumbs down. Start by gently melting the chin forward, not trying to stretch, just trying to give your awareness some sensation to feel. You might notice sensation at the back of the neck, the sides of the neck, and then ever so gently start to sweep the chin from side to side. And notice how this changes the sensation in the neck. And try to move even slower. And just notice if that gives you more to feel, more to witness. Next time the head makes its way to the right and you don't have to rush. Just start to notice the left shoulder and how the head pulling to the right anchors down into the neck, into the shoulder. You can allow the shoulder to follow the head in whatever way is comfortable. You don't have to resist. And then notice that same thing in the mirror as the head goes the other way, just notice the sensation through the neck anchoring into the right shoulder. And starting to trace those connections, you can allow the head to circle or explore a more interesting path than that side to side. But move slowly and try to feel how the neck is connected to the head, how the shoulders connected to the neck. Maybe you even start to feel the rest of the body following the whole point. Just to just witness these sensations. Allow the body to melt and soften and do this with as much ease and curiosity as possible. And then slowly allow the movement to take you back to center. where we began and just notice if your inner awareness has transformed at all and as we start to dive into the sutra see if you can keep coming from this space of inner feeling inner curiosity and witnessing
Thanks, Maya. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take this this inward gaze right into our into our inspection of the sutra. I wanted to set the stage for our work this week um, to talk a little bit about a theme that emanates from the last half of the sutra, which is that of uh, paths and levels um, in this sutra and in the lineage, as we'll see in a quote here, we see that we must use a path or a practice to reach a destination. But then we also see that we have to let go of some aspect of that practice in order to fully arrive. This is a concept that is referred to by Babaji, I feel like, in satsang uh, occasionally. It, it seems to just sort of pepper in, you know, year after year after year. And the last half of the Sutra 3.7 uh, really shows us a little bit clearer picture of how that plays out in Kashmir Shaivism. To give us a little perspective on this, before we go right into Sutra 3.7, I've got a quote from the Kashmir Shaivism uh, text, um, The Secret Supreme by Lakshmanju, that talks specifically about this concept. Let's take a look. Oh, there's a sutra. We'll go look at that in a second. He says, well, do we want to have somebody read it or should I go for it? Uh, that's up to you. You can pick someone. Okay. This is a fun one. Um. Hi, Pujari. I know you can't see me, but <laughs> can you see the text? Will you read it? Thank you. Here in Shaivism, the word path advan has a twofold meaning. It is either that path on which you tread or that path which you must dispose of, must discard. You have either to tread on the path or discard the path. There is no question of realizing God through treading on this path. You may tread for centuries and centuries and still you will be treading. So you must discard this path, dispose of it. When you dis do dispose of the path, that is also called Adhavan. Thanks, Pujari. Excellent job. And so here we see the word path has two meanings, essentially. Um, Pujari, I, sometimes I know it's hard to understand while you're reading, uh, but how did you, how did you uh, see that play out in this quote? What, how do you see the two meanings of the word path? You interpret that. Uh. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, no problem. No problem. If anybody wants to jump in, you're welcome to. Uh, sure, Anandama. Well, I, I was kind of trying to relate this maybe to mantra. If mantra is the path to take us deep inside and then eventually we 
let it go and the mantra does us, would that be like what this is talking about? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to go even, and that's exactly what it's talking about. You're sort of like soaring right to the, the culmination of what this is talking about. So that's great. Um, yeah, we use the tool of mantra and then eventually we get, we have to sort of let go of some aspect of it that we're using in order to experience it in its fullness. And we're going to keep looking at that. Um, and so Babaji always has a way of putting concepts like this into such simple and, you know, practical terminology. So here's what I think is the same concept given to us in Satsang uh, by Babaji. Um, Jaya, can you read hey, the Jaya. words? Can you see them okay? Go for it. You're muted. <laughs> cool. I once ran into a guy who'd been doing a strong pranayama practice for 20 years. He looked terrible because he had thought the practice was the goal. In truth, all the different practices that we do are vehicles. It is similar to falling in love with your car. <laughs> you use the vehicle to arrive at a destination and it's the destination that is the goal of the practice. So very similar unfolding of this concept of a path having two definitions, a little bit more practical way of understanding that from Babaji's perspective. And so for a little bit of discussion on this, I want you to just take a moment and um, sort of reflect on, on this two-fold meaning of the word path, on the idea of having a vehicle and then getting out of it to arrive at the destination, and, and see if you can relate to this concept. In and I can go back to those other um, quotes if anybody wants me to. See if you can relate to this concept in something that you sort of excelled at or worked at in your professional life or, or of course, in your spiritual life. You know, sometimes I think it's nice to unpack these within the context of our everyday life because we go through a lot of the same processes. Um, so sometime when you've sort of had this experience of having to let go of one method in order to arrive at this next level. And so take a, a, couple, a minute or two. I'll, um, I'm just going to leave this as some quiet time for everybody to work. And if you have any questions, of course, you can ask. But just take a moment to reflect and, and jot a few notes.
Cool. And I invite everyone, if you'd like, if you aren't already, to be in gallery mode for the next part of our session together. And I'm always happy to re-expand any of these quotes as we're talking. So if you want to see those again, by all means ask. <clears throat> and it can be fun. This is something we love to do, <laughs> to underline a key word, a key word in there that might be sort of encapsulates what you were going after. Sometimes it's not so easy, but a keyword can be a fun way to just start the discussion. Sometimes it's hard to have one word that encapsulates. So it can just be the first word you see or like the juiciest, most fun word that jumps out at you. All right. So does anyone want to want to start by just talking about how you worked with this or how this came through and in, in your reflection? Sharing a little bit about that guy. Sure, Jaya, go for it. Um, for me, um, probably the clearest example I could think of was uh, asana practice. Um, you know, I feel like for years and years, I practiced asana with the understanding that it should bring me to a point of being able to meditate. Um, and then once I was able to meditate, I feel like I do asana, but sort of for a different reason. You know? So there is a part of your asana practice that you sort of had to sort of almost let go of in order oh, yeah. to realize it's. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just curious, how would you describe that part that you were letting go of? Like, what would you just kind make of like, it? like an appendage that you don't really need anymore, <laughs> sort of. But were you still, you mean you're, but you're still doing asana practice but able to do it in a different way is that yeah like in a completely different way um just like much less like much more lighthearted, sort of mm. with a lot less sort of attachment of like how important it is mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. that's you that sounds like it encapsulates this concept really well you know it's like you have to pursue something you pursue it and you have to take it pretty seriously to get it and then once you get it like you're saying it can you can sort of work with it in a much more lighthearted way i feel like when i see baba g doing satsang compared to me <laughs> he seems like he's much happier <laughs> in that setting you know like he's really just radiating that that space because he's just so like transcended it that's sort of the goal you know we're all reaching for and the way that we're using our tools just so good at it you're, you're happy. No, I'm happy. <laughs> There's just something about, I mean, none of us need to compare ourselves to Bob. It's a great comparison for a goal to reach for, at least. So great example. Anyone else? There's a part of me that really wants to call on Meru because I just feel like when it comes to carpentry, I just wonder... I was just working outside today on finishing up some the railings and trim work. I was doing a lot of trim work and I was just thinking, man, a pro carpenter would do this a lot differently. I felt so by the book, like, you know, and I just wonder if you 
feel like there's been any progression like that in your profession? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think once you like, um, once you let go of like trying um, to be a pro um, and just like let it flow, <laughs> that's when like it actually happens. Wow. So I, I feel like it's like that with the practice too, a little bit. Like I used to, when I first started, I thought it was all about the double breath and the circular breath. And that was like the pinnacle of the practice. And then once I kind of didn't, like once I stopped caring if I was like doing that correctly, that's when like <laughs> I got a lot more juicy morsels, you know? And like when you're sitting with Babaji and you actually just can like relax and like, like get into the flow that's when it actually like happens and when you're not trying to like will it um, but yeah carpentry is a lot like that i feel like you're, you know if you are trying to do it then you're probably not doing that well but like when you're just like you know when you're not when you're not in your head about it then i think that's when it flows thanks mayor just letting that marinate for a breath or two, I, I did hear a voice come in. But. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask Meru, um, when you were when you were talking about with Babaji sitting, is there a, the letting go, is there a trust factor in that too? Or is it more just getting, letting go of your mind and kind of floating or? You know, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I think that there's like a, there's just a point where I feel like um, when you're not trying, you know, that that's, you know, whenever I'm like trying to have an experience, it never happens. Um, and then when I kind of give up on that and like surrender, you know, that's when, you know, that's when I'm like, oh, whoa, it like, it like kind of hits me, you know. Hmm. That that's helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Meru. And the silence from my end is just I'm just so enjoying just feeling after someone speaks and just letting it be there. And so um, just know that that's what we're doing. All right. Well, um, we're going to look at this in a little bit more specifically uh, from the perspective of the sutra that we're actually, you know, wrapping up today. Um, and it, it, it gives us ways to understand these, these paths from gross to subtle to subtlest, um, you might say. Um, <clears throat> so let's take a glance. Oh, this is a big quote. So we're going to need somebody with, that can really read a lot. Someone excited to read yeah, a lot. Yeah, we need somebody who can read a lot. You know, you're intrepid yogis. I don't want to. Who hasn't read in a while? Else. Don't be shy. Okay, Gita, I know you're an excellent professional oh, cool. reader. Um, will you read this? Thank you. Um, 
you experience casting aside when you experience casting aside the bondage of the bound individual pasha and put your consciousness in your own self that is god consciousness then after that god consciousness is also to be abandoned and you must unite your consciousness in the pure knowledge of consciousness there because the mind mana is only the collection of differentiated knowledge some kalpa you will find that the state where the mind manas is not existing at all unmana that is a supreme knowledge where you find universal god consciousness the pervasion of shiva there is no greater knowledge vidya than this wow excellent let's all take a moment a lot of different learners Time to read it, time to breathe with it. I'm going to take a moment to walk through this a little bit, give you sort of piece by piece and, and do some examples as we're going. Um, and so casting aside the bondage of the bound individual. So that is really our first step. And when we're using our practice, when we're using our practice to release uh, tension, to work with tension, to dissolve it or release it, however you want to say it. So that's using your practice. Earlier, we talked about mantra, just like repeating the mantra, you know, or we, we can do it in the context of pranayama or even the witness state. It's just the first level of when you're just using your practice to get yourself pointed in this different direction. And he says that that leads us to putting your consciousness in your own self. I found this to be a fascinating uh, way of phrasing it. Um, because it was unusual because it was a short S self, a lowercase S self. And I was like, oh, is that a typo? Every time we say the self, we always talk about the big, big S self. It's not a typo. It does mean the lowercase S self, which in this case is a stepping stone to the uppercase S, the Shiva self. So the idea is you're lost in your thoughts. You use your practice to gain awareness of just the present, just to get out of your head and get into the room that you're in. Does that make sense? So it's like going from thoughts to like this self right here, like this room, this might not be Shiva, but it sure is a big step from thoughts tumbling down the hill. But he says, after getting ourselves into the present with whatever practice we're using, we must go beyond this. We must go beyond this. There's, there's a lot of ways to interpret this second paragraph. You know, um, he calls this present the consciousness of self, God consciousness, and we have to let go of that in order to unite with 
what he's saying is the pure knowledge of consciousness. So we've got a tool that's helping us focus on consciousness, but that tool is sort of limiting our overall experience of consciousness. We can only experience it so much with this tool in our hand. We gotta find a way to keep going inwards while letting go of this tool. And the, the deciding factor on how we can start to understand that process, they say is you're really going beyond the mind. He says the mind is a collection of differentiated knowledge. The very stuff we were casting aside to get here. So the mind can't come with us past this point because it literally is the stuff we're casting aside. Um, this practice is a very refined version of our mind, but we got to cast that one too. He says, and that will land you or point you in a direction that is actually beyond your mind. So you have to proceed in a realm that is not of the mind. And that is leads us to that fourth paragraph. Uh, this, this, is, this, this is that supreme knowledge, meaning that state beyond the mind, the state beyond the mind is the supreme knowledge. The pervasion of Shiva, when Shiva pervades your awareness, and that there is no greater knowledge than this. So that sort of represents our destination, so to speak. So does anyone have any comments or questions about this process that's being laid out? Hello. Hey, Kara. Um, I find this interesting um, because I've taken many different paths to try to find this per se me um, being at 25. And um, I read a book once who also talked about consciousness and the raft and how a lot of people just stay on the raft. They don't use the raft to go on the other side. They stay on the raft floating down the river. Um, so... Um, with that being said, I also compare this to working out, of course, I'm a personal trainer and, you know, so you want to work out your legs, you can't just do lunges because the body gets used to doing just lunges soon, you have to start doing different leg exercises. And so I, I compare this to you the path is the path. And, um, you know, he said, you won't find God on the path. So I don't know, I guess the path doesn't take you anywhere. It's just 
a vehicle, so per se. That was kind of scattered, but thank you. Thanks. Thanks for, you know, that's where it starts, right? We have to like start our exploration somewhere. I think it's important that we, you know, we work in such a way to arrive, you know, somewhere in our practice that we don't get attached to just trying path after path after path, right? And so you were saying like, you've, you've tried a lot of paths and, and it's almost, it's almost like you're getting a taste, you're starting to get a taste for digging a little bit deeper or really taking one path a little further maybe than you're used to like the you know we might read a book and that might take us a few steps down a path but then the books ends and you know but here you are after doing you know the trainings with us and attending all these classes and starting to really like see like where is this path taking me and starting to get a feeling for the path itself now this sutra does talk about the moment of releasing the path right so it's almost like is that the point well no a path has two definitions getting a feeling for the path is as much a part of it as maybe where we're at in this sutra where we're sort of letting go of of a path in order to see what's what's on the other side but i think either one is is such a an invaluable experience to have you know that you really can't purchase you have to walk sure it goes back to the personal training idea of like you actually have to do the work to arrive at the destination you have to do and everybody nobody looks forward to leg day because there's so much work in leg day when you're working out because where you're arriving is a, a pretty big place you know strengthening like the lower half of your entire body Nanda Devi. I really like this sutra because I feel like this process feels really familiar. Like maybe I kind of do this process every time I sit down to practice, cool. right? Because I'll start first with some mantra out loud because that's purifying the space and quieting my mind. And and then after a little while, like after a mall, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of tired of doing mantra out loud. Like my voice is tired. And so then I'll do mantra silently with the breath. And then that helps me refine the breath and bring my focus more inside. And then after maybe half a mala of that, I notice that I'm just doing mantra instead of having an opportunity to really open up. And like the mantra is like blocking me from that. So then it's like, letting go of the mantra and just breathing and just opening inside and i kind of feel like that refinement happens in my practice it's so helpful to look at it in the sort of within the realm of one set and and how that actually plays a big part in finding success in our individual sit each day and then there's like the macro where it's like they're in the sutra maybe talking about more of the macro but i think in the, in this case that's a really really great way of understanding it
it's funny to be able to recognize that moment you were describing to recognize the moment when when the tool that you were using to get here can be laid down it's it's a really interesting and subtle you know subtle feeling i bet that you're describing if that happens regularly Radharani. Um, thinking about these discussion also reminds me a little bit, made me think a little bit about Sutras 3.5 and 3.6, where 3.5, they were talking about all those steps like the asana, the pranayama, and all these to control the senses and all that. And then 3.6 is, well, but all the um, CDs that you get from that are Maya. <laughs> Because it's like if you get kind of like attached to it, then you're forgetting about the goal. So it made me think of that. You know, it's like don't get attached to it; just go beyond that mm. to not lose lose sight of the real goal, which is beyond any of that. It just made me think back to those sutras. Yeah, it feels like a that's a exactly like progression through the sutras. It's what a library she is <laughs> it's really always, every class i'm like wow she's incredible hmm. oh. what's that yeah we have a comment here and i apologize you won't be able to see mandira but you'll be able to hear I thought a fun one was a teaching, yeah, here, okay. which okay, just came up because I know Radharani is a teacher, but a lot of us are teachers in some capacity. I was thinking about that experience that you have when you teach where you have to put in a lot of work to have a good class. And you're like using all, you're like really using effort and your knowledge but then there is the moment when you have to transcend in order to articulate clearly in the class. And I know this happens a lot in yoga. And I was a teacher at a university for a while. And I didn't do very well on those days when I didn't make that transition upward. I could really feel like, uh oh, I got stuck today because something was hard. So I think many of us can relate to that experience of going beyond our knowledge when we're trying to convey it. Hi, Devaki. Oh. I wasn't sure if there was a hands up signal there, but um, I mean, a lot of things have come to mind listening to people talk and, ex you know, express their experience of that is that I think we have to, when we sit down to practice, um, know that 
we're going to go, you know, that we're going, the goal is beyond what we're doing. Um, I mean, it's like when Faith talks about, has talked about using a mantra is like, you know, dialing a phone number for that deity. And then it'd be like the deity being there going, hello, hello. And you're going, you know, seven, four, five, seven, four, five. And, and they're there kind of waiting. And so, I don't know, I just flashed on this, wait, I, I need to like know and anticipate and be ready and aware that this is going to happen. Because I'll just go through and do mantra for a half hour, you know, like a little, you know, choo-choo train up the hill and then, you know, find that I've already plateaued, but I'm putting out, you know, this kind of extra effort when, when, when it's there, or, you know, I anticipate that. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, it's just my thought. <laughs> so much sense. Uh, so on so many levels, that was really illuminating. Yeah. Thanks, Devaki. That was so fun and helpful. And what I was like really feeling as you were sharing was kind of where we started the class where how it's so important to actually like feel as you do right so it's like you start you're dialing the phone number but you have to like really mm. tune in and and become sensitive and aware so that when that next thing is available you're able to stop using <clears throat> that that tool and it seems like everybody has had um everyone who's shared it's almost like we use these tools and they take us further and then the tricky part is like knowing when to put the tool down and the um, way you know is feeling hmm. so i guess that's the hard part hmm. feeling Jagan Mati. I have a question. Um, and maybe you talked about this and I'm sorry if I missed it, but like when you were talking about like not officially in your practice, like not when you're sitting on the cushion, but just like in your life, when you um when you start to become present, um, and then you're really like in your body and you're in the moment. Um but then you let that go and you move beyond that. Like, can you talk about that process, like in your daily life? Thanks. Great question. Just a moment. I mean, dial up Shiva. <laughs> okay. I think that's a great question for the group, huh? Does anyone feel like they want to chime in? If I was to, if I was to encapsulate that question of Jagannathi, it's basically, and help me out here. Maybe this is what I can contribute to it. Is when you're there's sort of I feel like it's two parts because what Devaki and Mandira and Abaya were talking about was having the ability to feel when to put the, when to shift 
from focusing primarily on the practice itself to focusing primarily on the experience of the practice. And then I, I, I feel like you were asking, how do you recognize uh, that shift um, in, in your practice on a daily basis? Does that sound like it's in the right direction, Jagamati? Do you want to refine that? Did I miss something? I think it was during the day. Like, oh, how, literally, how not, in, not, oh, literally during the day. Oh, yeah. Fun. Top. Okay, so uh, a, a lot of us have heard, you know, you're, you're in the middle of your day and something comes up and you feel like an emotion surge up and, and uh, a little voice inside you says, oh, count to 10 before you react or, or do your mantra before you react or these kind of things. And um, after a while, you don't need to actually count to 10. You may not even need to use your mantra if you recognize the place that your mantra always takes you or the place that counting to 10 takes you some place. And you can use this in your daily life all the time where you, you don't, you, you may grab the tool or you can go, I don't, I don't need the tool. I know, you know, what the effect is going to be. And you go right to the effect and then you're, you're in a position to deal with what's coming at you. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Again, just, you know, let the moment have a little space, a little bit of breath, because that made a lot of sense. Did Jagamati, did you want to respond to that? Or did anyone else want to respond to that? It, it made me think more about the question that I had in that, like, so, um, so I feel like lately I've been able to really be present, which is different than before, maybe we'll say. And, um, but then, then it's like, what tool do you use to go beyond the being present to like merge beyond that? Right. Because like, like what Bob was saying made me think like I used to have to reach for tools to be present. And now I feel like I can just be present without reaching for the tools. But then like what's th then, but I don't feel in um, the state of eternal bliss, just by <laughs> present. Right. Yeah. So, but it still feels great to be present, but then like, what's that next step in daily life? Like not on the cushion, because it feels different in daily life, right? Mm -hmm. Than on the cushion sometimes. This is, I, I love the direction you're pushing us, Jagamati. This is a good direction to hone in on. So feel free, everyone, to take your time and to just feel with it, right? You don't have to respond. There's a lot of us in here that would learn best by having some silent time to actually contemplate and feel. So take it. I find it helpful just yep. to be quiet and to stop as soon as I recognize that I'm 
my mind is busy and I'm trying to figure what to do next or even trying to be quiet, that I just stop and just visualize opening up to what might be coming through to me and literally just be in a state of receptivity. And I find that really helpful. And then I don't analyze it or go anywhere in my mind with it. I'm just receptive to whatever might come into me and uh, and just wait with that. I find that very helpful. Um, good. Thanks, Miramiah and Doug and Mati. It makes me think of um, a previous sutra that I'm sure Super Satyam might be able to <laughs> tell us which one it is. Um, but it's about like preparing for the reception. Oh, yeah. And it's like you can't control when Shiva consciousness is going to like yeah. emerge. So much cryptic cell is how the text put it, remember? <laughs> no. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the being present allows you to like be there to to merge with it you know and it's like if we're distracted and we're not paying attention maybe that opportunity arises but we don't we don't feel it um but by you doing what you're doing Jagan Mati um you'll you'll notice when that opportunity comes you know where you can ride the wave um so that's sort of what came up for me as we were talking and then the opening up as Jeremiah described sounds um, receiving really helpful yeah. and jagamati i wanted to add in as i've been preparing for this and, and working with this sutra over the last you know however long i've been working with it it's been a while um that has really been a big focal point for me like the question that you're asking and because i feel so similar where it's like i can pull myself into the present but what how do i go to that next level um, and you'll, the, the only means I can imagine that I have of finding the next level is to sustain my experience of the present. I feel like effort over time, like I got the effort and then I need the time. Effort over time yields the growth and the growth here being uh, whether you want to call it pure knowledge, whether you want to call it, you know, um, literally like just the next level, another path, whatever it is, it's like it's encapsulated by effort over time. And so if you feel like you can find the present, you have to feel what you think you've found. And in that feeling, you begin to explore what you found, right? Because the work you did to get there was the practice. And if you recognize that where you have arrived is different than where you were, that becomes a destination that you must get, you, you have to get out of the vehicle to experience. Now, you might say, oh, I'm going to stop doing mantra. And then you go, you find, I find that I quickly get lost in my thoughts. So I find that this is a process that is its own path. Like that next level isn't really like its own for me, like its own 
level that's just existing has nothing to do with mantra but it's almost like the slowly releasing of the practice while maintaining my awareness of the present in this case that become that is the path that i'm trying that is the destination in a way that i'm trying to to experience and i keep slipping down the hill and having to get back to my mantra and drive back up and i slowly try to get out of that vehicle without slipping down the hill without it rolling back down you know And we have somehow, this class should be a little longer, but uh, we've somehow come near to the end. But I did want to just take the last minute or two to do a little bit of breath work uh, towards this end, um, towards this goal that we've been talking about. And so um, just take a moment and go ahead and, and regulate your inhale and your exhale so that they're both, they're smooth and even smooth and even as bob was talking about earlier you're welcome to count you can count up as you inhale and then count back down as you exhale or whatever way of counting that helps you you could do mantra of course And try to recognize the effort that you're utilizing right now to support this practice. Just, just try to feel the effort you are using. Physically, mentally. And now try to feel the experience that this practice is yielding for you. Your experience of the present. And finally, allow yourself to shift more and more of your awareness into the experience and just allow your effort to naturally float away.
Deepen your breath flow a little bit. Move your spine a little bit. And so I wanted to make sure that we got to that because I feel like the next couple weeks before we, until we meet again, um, <clears throat> it could be a really fruitful uh, reflective exercise to try to uh, see these this this process in your daily practice and in your daily life and, and try to just work with it. I have found that being able to see these landmarks, being able to see the landmark of using a practice to get to the present and then knowing that that's a landmark has helped me reach it. And then knowing that that's not the end so that I start to work with that experience towards an experience that will, I know, be beyond my mind, therefore be an experience, not a thought. And so see how you start to recognize that in your personal practice and in your daily life of practice. Um, and use it as a, a fulcrum to digest this sutra and to elevate your practice. So thank you so much, everyone, for your attention. That really went fast. I am speechless. Um, namaste.